Abra. Abra. How's it going? Yeah, good. Episode 14. 14? What does 14 rhyme with? Uh, 14. And there's been oh. a cockroach. And if you want to save your cockroaches, subscribe to Fleeting Friends. Nah, you'd be killing cockroaches, wouldn't you? With Morteen, yeah, that's that's yeah, uh, pest. Well, it rhymes with 14, so we've got a slogan for this week's episode. 14, Morteen. Or what as Macca would say, <laughs> Morteens. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus. That was good. Uh, what, uh, what's <laughs> what have you been doing? Uh, what have I been doing? Uh, just getting back to work, things like that. You're fucking boring this week. Well, what, what have you been doing? I was just had your dad's curry. It was fucking excellent. All we did was whinge the whole time. And you go, I want to start the podcast. I'm tired. I want to start the podcast. I'm tired. Yeah, because it's your not laptop's time. Even fucking charge. You've been here all day, and I get here. I haven't long been day here all work. day. I've been working. <laughs> I, I've bullshit. <laughs> what do you, you mean? Been, working where? At work. All right. What time did you get home? Uh, probably six o'clock. The time now is eight fifty-four. Yeah, yeah, I was using my I computer. came straight from work, oh, fully prepared. Every straight week. from work, you went to Jamie's house. I did, okay, I did <laughs> stop at Jamie's house, and once again, let's call dog him out. Dog he's dog dead. Dead. Yeah, see, and look what he's doing. He's exactly, splitting us apart. He's splitting this us, is us apart. This no, is exactly what he wants. Him. Fuck you, Jamie. Oh. <laughs> um, why is it called the Abra podcast, bruh? Abra. Love it, yeah. A bit more enthusiasm than the last week's Yeah, that was a bit... We had shit to get through. We had shit to get through. But we've got shit to get through this week too. Yeah. Because I feel like this is might be our biggest... I feel like you almost forgot that one. We have said that I think once before. No more than once. No. This week's a new week. Yeah, no, we haven't. This I don't think we've said it once. Okay. I think this is our well, biggest episode. This is the first time we're saying episode. it. Yeah. This is the first time we're saying it's our best episode, and it is our best episode. I believe it. And we haven't even recorded it yet, and I know it's going to be the it, best episode. That's how good and this you episode too, like, this is. is yeah. weird. Like, the fact that we both knew that, it's got to mean something. That's, All right. That's something. <laughs> now, did you have a piece? You told me you had a fun fact on a fast food chain or something. Oh, yeah. So, I'm going to talk about the Waffle House Index. Okay. So, in the States, there's a chain of restaurants called Waffle House. Blue Waffle, in reference to that? Or just normal waffles? Just normal waffles, Okay, yep. yeah. Good, good. Okay. Uh, they are infamous for staying open, no matter what. I think they're open 24-7, but also se- severe weather events, they're normally open. Really, like hurricanes and shit. You'll see a waffle place going. Yeah. Imagine that. Cyclone hits, you're all in the bunker and go, you know what? I could kill for some waffles. Does anyone want to drive down? And then you die. Do people go into bunkers for cyclones? Oh, if it's a real bad storm of any sort, you'd think they would. Well, they'd stay indoors. Either way, driving to the waffle place isn't really a priority. You're not wrong. Why do they stay open? Like for refuge or for food purposes? No, no, no. They just stay open. Fuck that. Imagine if you're a worker and I am working the hurricane tonight. Yeah, imagine having to fucking drive out. Oh, yeah, I'll go do the hurricane yeah, shift. Still like, yeah, they're still like military fort built kind of structures. That'd be fucked. I mean, they look pretty solid. Oh, wait. No, that one's missing all its walls. Oh, what um, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, so... What's the, holding the, the roof the, up then? Nothing. There's no roof. It's oh. literally just... So it's just like yeah. a, a floor, pretty much. Yeah, it's literally... Do you literally reckon that's the final design? Oh, that's fucked. No, that's after a hurricane. <laughs> oh, wait, the hurricane actually blew it off? Yeah. Yeah, so, no, that so was... So doing the hurricane shift is literally life-threatening? Well, yeah, legitimately. Oh, right. So, the Waffle House Index is an informal metric um, used by FEMA, as in uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency in America, to, like, literally describe how bad a disaster is. Right. So this is a qu- a quote from Craig Fugate, a former head of FEMA. Uh, if you get there and the Waffle House is closed, that's really bad. <laughs> so the index has three levels based on the extent of operations. Green, meaning full menu. Restaurant has power and damage is limited. This uh, is in terms of storms and hurricanes. This isn't just a normal day. Green yeah, yeah, no. The, well, green would be a normal day. Restaurant. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right, okay. oh well, it says following a storm, but green would a normal day would be green, okay. no damage. Right, right. Uh, yellow limited menu, 
No power or only power from a generator or food supplies may be low. Or red, the restaurant is closed, indicating severe damage. And has red ever happened? Um, in Well, surprise, funnily enough, 2020. April 17th, 99% of the waffle houses are closed. No. Due to pandemic. Oh, so they're in the... Co- co- coronavirus has really been the only thing to stop them. Jesus. The invisible enemy. Literally, they, they have been seen like opening days up after hurricanes and shit. Days after. I mean, at least they're not open during the hurricane. Uh, following the oh. 2011 Joplin tornado, during which the two Waffle House restaurants in Joplin remained open. What the fuck? Were there damages and stuff? Um, well, I'm assuming so. They were in a fucking hurricane. Yeah, right. But they stayed open. Okay. And I'm guessing if you go there, it's probably they're gonna. It's gonna be like a bit of a refuge too. Obviously. Yeah. 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 yeah right. So that's that's the Waffle House index. A little. No, I, I'm thing. into that. I um similarly, I have a a fun fact about a business running whilst logically it probably shouldn't. There's a town in Oregon called Bridalvale, and it hasn't had any permanent residents for more than three decades. Interesting. And there's actually the town maintains a functional post office. All right, despite having no residents for over 30 years. Okay. But it's because several thousand couples, not a few, several thousand couples, go out of their way each year to mail their wedding invitations from b- Bridal Vale to their wherever they're from because of Bridal Vale. It's, that's what it's famous for. Yeah, it's weird, eh? I oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So this, this post office is literally just, it's almost like a, I don't know. A bin. <laughs> been, yeah, basically, but um, yeah. But it's keeping a town open, even though it's got no residents. I, yeah, I assume so. I'm not sure if the post office is like the only thing in the town. There's no people living there. I'm sure there's empty buildings. Oh well, they've got a lookout and stuff, which is a tourist attraction. Yeah, it's kind of like a touristy kind of town. Yeah. Tourist trap. Tourist trap. Yeah, yeah. Suckers. <laughs> bridal veil. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on the bridal thing at first. Hey, I, um, that w- I would never think to do that. I didn't either until I read out the last bit and went, why the fuck would they send their wedding invitations from there? And then I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I brought up the fun fact, but you know, I didn't even know its significance. There you go. Yeah. Um, do you want a good segue? Can you do a segue into Russian movies? From Bridal Vale or The Mail. Oh, if you like brides, you can get a Russian bride. You can get a Russian and bride. And because we're in coronavirus, you can't see the brides. You have to watch them on a screen like a movie. Ah, uh, so have Russian you seen movie. any Russian movies recently, Mario? Fun fact, actually, now that you've brought up Russian movies and segue like that, early silent Russian movies often had two endings. A tragic one for the home market and a happy one for the export. Conversely, what? yeah, yeah. Conversely, foreign movies at the time were made with a happy ending and a tragic ending, and the tragic ending was only really made for the Russian audience. So if you said to someone back in the 20s, oh, have you seen Charlie Chaplin's new film? Yeah, how funny was the ending? And this Russian guy's like, no, Glutoslavian, uh, it was sad, the kid died. What the fuck just happened? Oh. That was that well, was something German like, and Swiss. Yeah, that was pretty bad. I, okay, well, you were channeling something there too. That was creepy to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Adolf just got through. off the ground. Saliva. Um, so yeah, there, there's another. There's a fun fact about Russian movies. <coughs> Not fucking. You want another fun fact? Sidney Lewis. You ever heard about him? No. I read about him today. Joined the British Army at 12 years old. Fought in the Battle of Somme, which was some of the heaviest casualties in World War One. At age 13. His mother sent in his birth certificate to the army and went, he's bullshitting. He got sent home. He re-enlisted without her knowledge two years later. <laughs> born in Austria in 1918. Mm. Lived for a few years, chilled around. Fought in World War Two. Retired and ran a pub for the rest of his life. Died in 1999. 1903 to 99. Damn. Yeah, pretty cool life, eh? 
How old would he have been then? 96? Yeah, fuck. Damn, fuck, he missed good. out on the both opposite centuries. What? Makes sense. Like, he missed out on the 1800s and he missed out on the 2000s. Like, just. But uh, he still was an old cunt. <laughs> yeah, what what a shame his life must have been. Do you reckon he was really sad when he died because he missed both the centuries? Um, I think so. I think that's why he hung on. Like, probably around the 1981 mark, didn't he ha- went, you know didn't what? hang on long enough, oh, did he? I know, he just missed out. Uh, actually. How'd he go? Have we ever brought up the world's oldest people on this podcast no. before? Nah. Because the world's oldest man, he wasn't recognised in the Guinness World Book of Records, died the other day uh, in South Africa. He was... Why wasn't he recognised? Well, there you go. The, see, the world's oldest man that's recognised was a British dude born in 1909. 19- oh, okay. No, no, there. this is wrong. Robert this is Wayton. fucking terrible audio. No, no, okay. Robert Wayton was an old British dude born in 1908, still alive. He's 112. He's the new official world's oldest person. 112, that's not that old. Well, it's pretty it's old. It's pretty old. It's but it's not that old. It's kind of old. I feel like there's been older. There has been older, but this guy who died last week in South Africa wasn't recognised in the Guinness World Book of Records. Now, similarly, you'll see a lot of the Guinness World Book of Records in terms of age and like weird facts like earliest childbirth and stuff. They're always going to be from like America, Britain, these Western countries because... No one really gives a fuck about poor countries, especially a book like the Goodness World Book of Records. Yeah. So all these people that are unrecognized for like achievements or, I don't know, just weird shit like this. Similarly. Now, the world's oldest... You like to say similarly a lot. Yeah, well... And I, you don't even say it right. And a, I can't yeah. say it right either, but... It's a... It's a uh, you need a new word. Uh, <laughs> okay. Fuck, I broke him. Yeah, you... I'm pissed off about that. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, um, well, the world's oldest person to have ever lived was Jeanne Clement, who lived to be 122 years old and 164 days. The oldest man is Jerriam Kimura, who lived till 116 years old. Now, fun fact about Jeanne G- Clement, her name is. She was French, lived till 122. The second oldest person was about 116 and 300 days. Now, there has been many that have lived to about 116. 122 is a significant outlier. That's six years difference. Mm. There's records showing now she might have taken her mother's identity in the early 1930s. So she's probably only like 70 years old or something. Who the fuck cares? That was oh, such so a boring. shit but bit. <laughs> I was I was thinking at the start too. I'm like, do I really want to hear about fucking the oldest people I, in I the world? I think it's interesting. And I'm like, hey, no, I'm going to pull this plug. I'm going to pull the plug on this bit. And I'm like, no, do you know what? I'll give you the benefit of oh, the doubt. Oh, no, I've got some bad news. No, I don't care. This hasn't been recording the whole time. You're... <laughs> no, I'm not fucking joking. Oh, <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> oh God. Without sounds technical like, Sounds like it'd be a credit to our listeners if, they, if that wasn't recorded. Fuck you. That was interesting. Jeanne Kelman. That was an April exclusive. Like, if, <laughs> you ever come? I've come up with like three fun facts and worked all day. You've been here since six p.m. Do fuck all. Your laptop's about to go day. down. <laughs> no, I'm annoyed. No, this is Jamie. This is Jamie. This Jamie is Jamie. He planted this seed. All right. Is this? Uh, what 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 time are we looking at? Yeah, we're only at fourteen minutes. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is this a charity thing for you? No, no, I'm just and I've saying. I've driven all the way out. No, I'm Jamie. saying, I'm it's saying, Jamie. we, I, I don't have a lot of uh, filler stuff. Oh well, I got another fun fact. Oh. <laughs> I was on fire today. All right, go for it. South I'm, Africa has the most official languages that have equal status in their country. Eleven. Bolivia recognizes thirty-seven languages, the most of any country in the world, and India recognizes twenty-three. Oh, okay. However, Bolivia and India give primacy to Spanish and Hindi, making South Africa the country with the most equally important official languages. That's a good fact. I I, I enjoy that one, actually. I'll tell you about, like, I tried to learn Russian a few months ago. No. For a day. For a day. Really interesting language. So... There's a lot of... uh, I think you've talked about this on the pod, but before... Yeah, like how there's a lot more words in Russian, so it's like you can better describe shit. Well, no, words mean different things when you jumble around the sentence. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've talked about it on the pod. Okay, (laughs) 
Fucking hell. Oh, I'm, sorry, I'm just trying to keep the audience fucking entertained. Well, and we're, I'm struggling. I'm struggling today. Fucking asshole today. Well, well I'm like saving it. them from a whole... We do, You constantly do... You bring bits back up. It's not my fault. I don't listen to them all like you. I don't have I don't, all day. I don't listen to them all. And you didn't even clean up for me. That's well, literally your rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> all right. The f- we've got the finale piece. Okay, we're gonna do the last bit on despair. Well, probably, probably not. We might do something in the future, but then we're ending the trilogy here. Okay, this is the trilogy. Ending. Did we do three episodes? I think. No, this is the third one. That's yeah, third three. I think it's the same number. Well, when you say we did three, that's past tense, uh, isn't it? Yeah, so we've well, done two. We're doing we it now. Two. We're doing it now. We're the doing third a one. third one. Okay, so we're ending the trilogy now. Just it's a, Jamie. Just it's, it's Jamie. Jamie. It's, it's Jamie. Jamie. I'm sorry. Just please fix up the grammatical errors because you call me out on it constantly, and it'd just be nice if it was reciprocated. What was the grammatical error? We we've done three. Oh, okay. Two. Yeah, right. No, no, you are true. Thank you. True. I apologize. Thank you. Thank you for calling me out. Thank you, Lachlan. We do need to bring a bit of order back to the We do, we do. And I apologise if I've said anything to hurt you so far. (laughs) Is that... Are you going to apologise to me? I'm sorry, Mike. Thank you. Don't... Let me get you a tissue. I'll wipe away (laughs) the tears. I'm Um, sorry. So, Dispune. Uh, Where'd we live? Where'd you leave us last time, Maka? We were talking about Oscar Anzi, and I think... We got up to him falling, fall, uh, forming the Paladin Group, right? Yeah. Which is just a right wing organization. And Otto Skrzynski. Yeah, whatever. Was, was who? Uh, the Nazi that escaped. Yeah, he was. Uh, the Nuremberg trials and pretty much organized uh, Di Spine. Di Spine. And he's afterwards. located. In Argentina mostly, Argentina. but he goes around to all all, all across the countries. Middle okay. East, uh, Spain. Yep. So he's formed the Paladin Group. Paladin. Paladin. Yep. How do you spell that? Uh, P A L A D I N. Paladin. Okay. Yeah, it's like a like it's kind of like a knight or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's formed this group, and what's this group? Um, essentially, they just fucking aided. Like, just did anti-communist shit all over the Middle East. Like, sp- had spies, fucking assassinations. Kind of like a another shadow government. Yeah, like, well, they're not, little not not government, contract. but like just like a an international. I like I like the term fascist international. Like, just this collective group of Nazis who got out of the war. Yeah. Who stay connected, and keep working in the background. Okay. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Um but so now we're gonna go to there's a this another guy, another Nazi called Paul Schaefer. Oh, he's kinda cute. Um so he's um a pretty poor and clumsy child, uh, growing up. Where'd he grow up? Germany? Somewhere in fucking Germany. I didn't put that in my notes. Oh well you should. I probably should have. <laughs> well, uh, if Jamie was here, he could have looked. He could have looked it up. He didn't fucking come, did he? No. <laughs> um, but he did lose his right eye in an accident with a fork. Eye, eye. Well, just one eye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, he said. Was he a deer? Oh, well, if that's, he was, uh, what would you call it? A no idea. Yeah. But he still has one eye. So and he he's w- not a deer. And he had a glass eye. Well, and he's not a deer. I know I had a deer. Oh, yeah, that'd be both eyes. Okay, um, go on. Okay, so... So he serves as a medic in World War Two, mm-hmm. and then he later claims that he lost the eye in World War Two, but no, it was to a fork. Um, in 1959, uh, he starts up a children's home and a Baptist ministry. Right. In, in Germany? In Germany. Yeah. So after the war? <laughs> yeah, That's 1959. Correct. The war ended in 1945 for our Thank you. Yes, for our listeners. <laughs> um, and he, he he's influenced by a guy named uh, Will Banham, who um, also influenced Jim Jones. Oh. As in uh, yes. Jonestown. Jonestown. 
drinking the Kool Aid, even Fuck, though it was Kool Aid. Yeah, Jones we'll Town. do a Jonestown. Yeah, episode. that that episode's coming. Jonestown, but don't look it up because we'll cover it with facts like we always do. Hard hitting, hard hitting, hard hitting journalism. I think we got here. voted what most a factual scoop. podcast of lockdown. Yep, of lo- yeah. <laughs> of lockdown. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 we did. Yeah, no, I who, remember that. Who did that voting thing? Just me and you, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was the whole world. Oh, the whole out, world. Out of oh, everyone. okay, right. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, so he st- starts up an orphanage and then uh, he gets charged with abusing two kids. Oh, right. And so he flees for West Germany. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. He flees West Germany for the Middle East. Yeah. Hangs around there for a bit and he meets the Chilean ambassador to the whatever country he was in. And he gets a personal invitation back to Chile. Okay. So then... 1961, he resurfaces in Chile and he starts the Dignidad Beneficent Society. And it's kind of like a charity founded on Baptist and anti-communist pr- principles. Right. And so he, he evolves this and sets up this little compound, gets given some land by the government and is running, essentially builds hospitals, heaps of stuff. Mm. So... um. He he starts running pr- essentially a, a Jonestown as commune. Yeah, yeah. Right. With it's, I mean it's pretty. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so in 1966, he goes to hospital for a hunting accident, and uh, once he gets back, he cracks down, like bans any festivities in the commune, stuff like that. Boys and girls, men and women, aren't allowed to be together anymore. Like they have to be separated. Aww. And uh, this guy named Wolfgang Keese, um, he ends up, like, fucking off. And this Paul Schaefer guy gets this other guy to, like, testify against him and say, oh, yeah, he's a liar, it's all bullshit, all this stuff. Um, So then in 1970, so this is in Chile, uh, Allende, uh, Salvador Allende, he was, like, a very socialist prime minister. Yeah. Um, He comes into power... Schaefer f- freaks the fuck out. So he turns the commune essentially into the, its own little private fortress. And like the amount of weapons and stuff that they were able to smuggle in because it was just all under the guise of a charity and yeah. they didn't check any of the boxes coming through. Um, so he like invites children of Nazis and things like that to the community and essentially uses his compound as like a staging ground for a coup like against Allende. Like, I mean, it's it's hard to know who's there, but you would assume people like Otto Scarenzi. Yeah. There's one guy named Roberto Tiem. Who's, he was the son of a, a Nazi colonel or some sort of shit. But um, heaps of the like... Like the CIA enhanced interrogation stuff, like the torture, like waterboarding and like the electrocution and chemicals. All this stuff was done at this Colonia Dignidad, like beforehand. So like they were testing out like electroshock therapy on children. The fuck? Yeah, some real, like they would handcuff them to like metal bed frames and then just like attach car batteries to the bed frames and stuff like that and all the while this guy like Paul Schaefer is running a hospital taking kids and separating them from their parents yeah and it's like oh well he got charged with child molestation in West Germany what do you think he's doing in Chile yeah but is this Colonia Dignidad is like active until 2005 so what is it a a it's like a commune community thing so it's kind of like a weird christian like yeah yeah definitely like we're based on baptist principles but essentially it's just a hiding ground for nazis right so after um allende gets knocked out in a coup by his one of his military leaders pinochet which the cia knew about and things like that yeah um they literally turn colonia dignidad into a torture 
and prison camp for the uh, Chilean secret p- police. Like, yeah. uh, they're called the DINA, D-I-N-A. And, yeah, they're doing, like, testing. Uh, Pinochet visits uh, Colonia Dignidad in 1974, and Schaefer then gains the right to dig for uranium and gold on the property. So he's meeting with the little prime, uh, well, uh, military leader of the country. Yeah. yeah. Like it became a military um, dictatorship. And, uh, uh, yeah, dug up gold and met with Gerhard Mertens, who supplied rockets, tanks, and equipment to produce biological weapons. Yeah, right. And Gerhard Merton was an ex-Nazi paratrooper who... Um, worked with Otto Scarenzi in a plan to rescue Mussolini when he was captured. So, this guy formed this Christian kind of convent. Yeah. He was a known child abuser. Yeah. Doing more child abuse activities in this. More than likely, yeah. And what... Was this for a greater plan? Like, they were... I don't know, inducting kids into their thing? Or well, I think... Or was he just given a, an allowance because he had ties to the Nazis? No, I think they, like, the, it kind of turns... I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it kind of turns into, like, almost like a eugenics 2.0 program. Eugenics? Like, you know, how they want... Like, with the Hitler Youth right, and stuff, so like they want to breed, breed the yeah, perfect yeah. race and that kind of stuff. And was it right-wing kind of ideology in this thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's oh, like the Christian right. right-wing. Okay. But the, the guy was an ex... Well, I mean, as we've said, like, the term Nazi is pretty all-encompassing for Germans at the time. But he yeah. was, like, a, a Nazi soldier who dealt with Nazis... Yeah. Who were linked to Otto Scaranzi and things like that. Right. So you can't directly link Paul Schaefer and Otto Scaranzi, but they were in the same circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so was that the was that the end of your discipline thing, or there's more? No, there's more, man. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> so much. So, um, we're just going to quickly mention there's something called the Gellon Organization which is pretty much uh, the Nazis' uh, spy network in the Eastern Bloc at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, God, what, what's this? It was, like, headed by this Nazi whose na- last name was Gellin. So, essentially, the CIA recruit him after World War Two, and they're like, okay, we don't have any spies or anything like that in the Eastern Bloc we're just going to use your agents. Yeah, yeah. And so, essentially, they end up hiring hundreds of, like, ex-Nazi spies and stuff. Yeah. Purely so they can get eyes and ears in the Eastern Bloc. Mm. Because it was incredibly hard for the gangs to get people over there. Yeah, yeah. But then, so... Uh, what's... what's So, James Critchfield is the CIA officer that um, gets involved with that. He heads the um, task of exploiting the Gallon organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, he later on, he um, tried to argue that Gallon, the main guy, the, the like spy master, wasn't a war criminal, but... He then did go on to say, there's no doubt that the CIA got carried away with recasting some pretty bad... Oh, recruiting, sorry, some pretty bad people. Yeah, right. So, who's admitting to this? This is... Uh, James Critchfield. He's an ex-CIA agent. Oh, okay, right, right. Who was essentially doing, like... Yeah, the, yeah. It was his job to use the Nazis. Yeah. So, he makes friends with a Middle Eastern businessman named Adnan Koshagi. Um, not to be confused with that journo who died, but um, who's the journo? Jamal Khashoggi. Oh right. Remember some like some journo got like cut up in an embassy. Don't you remember when was that? This? What year? Probably last year or something. Oh, when's this journalist from? Uh, he he's a businessman in the sixties. Oh, 70s. Okay. I, I think yeah. he died in like the late nineties. Yeah, right. But in in the sixties and seventies. This this Middle Eastern businessman 
essentially opens up the Middle East for like Western investment. Mm-hmm. And he essentially, um, we talked about Nazis going into like aerospace fields like NASA. They also went into the military, um, pro- uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Mil- military industrial com- company, uh, Lockheed and Martin. So he pretty much brings in tons of business for Lockheed and Martin. So this guy's a businessman working with a Nazi... American corporation that has Nazis in it. Right. And this guy's a businessman from the Middle East. From the Middle East. Helping to... Well, he he brings in tons of money from Lockheed and Martin. they, They pretty much... The vice president of Lockheed and Martin at the time said that like... This businessman was essentially our marketing arm of Lockheed Martin in the Middle East. Like he was getting up to fifteen percent of like cuts because right. he was making them so much money in the yeah, Middle East. Yeah. So he he was friends with James Critchfield as well. Um but he he buys like this um like safari resort. Yeah. In I'll just double check where that actually is. I'll just wait. Yep, thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for filling the air. <laughs> so, just to summarize so far, we've got yeah, a Middle like East give us a biz- little, uh, give us a little. Recap. We've got a Middle Eastern businessman who brings in a bunch of money for an American corporation with Nazis in it. Mm-hmm. And he's getting huge cuts. And what's the significance of this to Dispinner? Um, yeah, we're, we're getting there. Okay. Ah, uh, God. Uh, well, we're waiting. Uh, it's a nice day outside. It's nice. Slight breeze. That's nighttime. This is actually the closest we've it's recorded. It's probably the latest night. Yeah, the, the, we weren't going to, we're going to have to do it late, but Maka gave me a pep talk and we switched a few things around and we thought, no, you all you three listeners are important and w- it will be out. Tuesday, 10 a.m., just as normal. And we should announce, while we're waiting, that next week... No, no, don't announce it yet. We'll save it for the end. All right, so this... (laughs) You hurry Uh, the fuck up. Yeah, so it's in, like, Kenya or something, so I couldn't find it. Um, So this this safari club becomes the meeting... Oh, sorry, this safari resort becomes a, a meeting ground for a group of people known as the safari club. Yeah. So after... Watergate happens and like the CIA get caught breaking into like the Democratic National Party's office yeah, for yeah. the Republicans. They're like, okay, fuck, we have to rein in the military, like, like the CIA and shit. Yeah, the yeah, intelli- yeah. We've got to rein in the intelligence community. Okay. So for a while there, their hands are bound. They're not allowed to do anything yeah, overseas. Yeah. They're not getting funding. Okay. So what does happen is they, a few ex-CIA people start coordinating with um, these Middle Eastern countries like Iran, Morocco, uh, I think Algeria as well, and France as well, um, to fight communism in the Middle East. Right. Was it on the rise there? Um, you ha- had it uh, like happening a bit in Africa. Like yeah. in Lower Africa, you had Angola and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and Somalia and Ethiopia. Yeah, right. There was also like a Cold War kind of proxy war happening there for a bit too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, the the Safari Club uh, is France, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Morocco and Iran. Okay. But there's two... Um, ex-CIA members who are consistently seen and fa- like have close links to the Safari Club. Yeah. And that's Ted Shackley and Richard Helms. So one was just an ex-CIA agent. The other one was an ex-CIA director. Yeah, yeah. So it was literally the, the CIA director before they kicked um, for Nixon. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. like the guy who did Watergate and shit yeah, like yeah. that. But... Um, they um, are the ones who start funding the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Yeah, right. So this is... Oh, okay, right. So this is where the funding for 
the Taliban came from. Yeah, so because the CIA couldn't really get funding for anything. Yeah, yeah. And they w- weren't really allowed to either. They kind of wanted it to be like, where it's plausible deniability, right? So yeah, yeah. even if this stuff did come out, yeah, you know, oh, it was all France, Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Morocco. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't have anything to do with it officially. Yeah, yeah. So they were just trying to convince the like Arab nations to fund things like the Mujahideen. Um, I think they backed Somalia, the Somalia-Ethiopian War. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Adnan Khashoggi, who was the guy who owned the Safari Club, he later try, uh, brokers the deal um, between Reagan and Iran for the Iran-Contra affair, where they um, wanted to give the Contras money, uh, which was a right-wing organization in South America. Yeah, yeah. Congress was like, you can have money for humanitarian affairs. Yeah. And then they got caught, and they were like, okay, no more money. And then so Oliver North, who was a military general at the time, sold weapons to Iran so they could give the money to the Contras. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which it, it literally is, is essentially equal to fucking treason. And they yeah. they got away with it. Reagan, uh, George Bush Sr. was the vice president. He definitely would have known about it. Yeah. So they're doing dodgy deals in the Middle East for to fight communism. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it was the, the whole justification for all this fucking heinous shit is to fight communism. Yeah, right. Which, it, it really goes fucking overboard. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And what, what was the big threat of communism anyway at the end of the day? Was it just they saw it as a threat to their I don't even know. Yeah. I guess. Because I feel like the whole way they painted communism was an obvious propaganda machine. But they couldn't possibly have believed it was that bad. Like, unless they're fucking retarded. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I guess, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like we we do have a bit of hindsight now. But I guess, like, the Iron Curtain. Like, it was hard to know what was actually happening. Yeah. And that probably stoked the fear, like. I mean, and they, it wasn't fucking good leaders at the time either. Yeah, yeah. Like, they had a shit run for people to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Interesting. Um, so. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Nearly there. Okay, okay. You got another bit? Uh, so, George Bush, right? Um, He then goes on to become president. And uh, he uh, starts a war with... Oh, fuck. There's so much more. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you... Is this more... This isn't more... This spinner is it still? Uh, kind of is. Okay, all right. Well, how is it? How big are we talking? Because I feel we I'm, can. I'm gonna rush it. I'm gonna no, rush no, no, it. No, 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 no. I'm sick of fucking Nazi shit. No, no, I've got an idea. Hear me out. While we're here, I want to give a shout out to Fleeting Friends. Some fantastic art. We've already done Fleeting Friends. How about? No, we we denounced him earlier. Now we now we're announcing him. What we did like some whack ass Morteen bit for him. Oh yeah, true. All right, well shout out again to Fleeting Friends. <laughs> All right. Shout out to Fernando Investing. Some great info on stocks, and I want to shout out to our newest sponsor, Pickly Art. <laughs> we love Pickly Art. We love Art. Pickly Art, and Pickly Art has compiled for us an amazing, an enormous, giant amount of info for us. Very kind of him on nine eleven. Now, who was president? When 9-11 happened. Oh, I was talking on. about... That is an amazing segue, but I was no, I, talking I, no, about No, I know. I wasn't going to segue Senior. to it. I know you are. Which okay. is why I'm saying, why don't we save it? George Bush Senior, George Bush Junior. We can tie them two together. Okay. So we'll leave this one for next time. This this last bit on Dispine. Oh, so I, we're doing I, I it one more bit. passion in your voice. Oh. And, and like the listeners don't want to hear you droning on. I don't want to hear you droning on. I'm losing passion now because I've got to talk about Nazis for another episode. Well, then don't. I'll talk about it. How's that? You don't understand my notes. They're very nonsensical. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. I'll do my bit. Then we'll come back okay, to this. Do okay. Fucking George so we've stopped bit. in what? What year are we for the Dispine with uh, this whole our 
Taliban shit. Mm-hmm. 1970s? Yeah, we're in the 70s. We're in the 70s. Okay, we're going to stop in the 70s and we've got one last bit on the whole Dispenes stuff. Avra! Avra! Matt Mackers' dad just gave us an enthusiastic Avra. I don't know if you could... Do you think I could hear it on the mics? I think I heard it, yeah. All right, cool. All right. I'm going to talk about something called Operation Anthropoid. Oh, yeah. You did want to do this bit. Yeah, go for it. So we're going back to 1942. And where are we? We're in the Czech Republic. Okay. Where are we recording this episode from, by the way? We haven't done this bit in so long. I was really hoping this bit was dead, too. I was <laughs> really hoping. So we're in America at the moment. The White that House? I don't know. Anyway, so Anthropoid. Basically, the Czech Republic right next to Germany. Why wouldn't we just be in the Czech Republic? All right, we'll go to the Czech Republic. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, good man, now that you say it. Okay, <laughs> we're in the Czech Republic. It's 1942. Yep. The Nazi Germany is right next door. Yeah, the Czech Republic's one of the first countries they walk into. In fact, they walked into it a year before the war officially started in 1938. Anyways, Czech Republic has been Nazi under occupation for four years now. Heydrich, second in charge in the Nazi command, is Mm -hmm. in charge of Prague. He's known as the Butcher of Prague, the Man with the Iron Heart. He had a few nicknames. Horrible person. Used to, like, shoot Czechs in the street. Shoot, oh, Czechs. Yeah. Man with the Iron Heart, that's a pretty shit nickname. I wouldn't want that. Yeah, it's pretty shit, but the the Butcher of Prague's pretty cool. That, that is that's pretty, pretty <laughs> mad because it, it brings like a sense of violence to his crimes, like chopping them up. Mm. Anyway, so <laughs> when they when he when they invaded Prague, yeah, uh, there's a big kind of superstition amongst Czech people that uh, if you touch the king's jewels and put them on, you'll die within a year. When he took over Prague. <laughs> He took the king's jewels and crown, put them on to show the Czech people, I'm king here, all right? I'm, I I'm wonder what's going to happen. So, two paratroopers were dropped in from London. They were both Czech. And they're dropped in to Prague. And their goal is to meet up the, the, with the resistance and try and kill Heydrich. Now, the ramifications for killing Heydrich could be worse than not doing it. So killing Heydrich is a what? T- killing a top leader in an occupied country. That can lead to oh, serious yeah, yeah, punishment yeah, yeah, from yeah. like yeah, than from the Nazis. Yeah. So they didn't know if it would even achieve much, but it was something. So these two guys, they set up they met up with the resistance, they set up a point, and they'd watch Heydrich for weeks on end to get his schedule perfected. And as we know, the Nazis had were like so strict on times and schedule. Like Jews, as we es- all know, well, Jews would escape off trains and they'd shoot at them to keep the train going because they were on such a strict schedule all the really? time. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's so many Jews escaped that way, but they there was better for them to be on schedule and more production in terms of the next train's got to come through than to stop a train and search for two Jews. Oh, I just always assumed it was like a stupid trope that the Germans were like meticulous. No, 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 very meticulous. Even look at like their uniforms and like their discipline with that. Hugo Boss designed the SS uniform. Who's that? That's a design, yeah. Oh, Hugo Boss. Oh, yeah, the late whatever. Yeah. There you go. Um, So... These two guys, they, they watch Heydrich for weeks. They know that every day at 4.15, he'll come around this one part in the road and it's such a steep, like a sharp turn that mm. he almost has to come to a complete stop. Okay. Now, when I was in the Czech Republic about three years ago... You took that turn? I know. I, I did go on a little tour of this, but I saw a church and I went, what the fuck? I know that church. Because I've seen a few docos on this thing and a few movies. And Anthropoid with Cillian Murphy... Fantastic movie. Oh, you didn't tell me it had Cillian Murphy in it. Oh, brilliant movie. Yeah. Oh, mate, anyway, so <laughs> I noticed this church. We'll get to the church later. Yep. So I know this. They've set up. You got one at the bus stop. You got one on the other side of the road behind the bushes, and one who's about to walk into the middle of the road. So when he comes to this complete stop, one of them walks into the middle of the road and pretends to tie his shoelace. Hydric and his driver beep beep get out of the way guy he jumps out from the bus stop with the machine gun goes to shoot hydric gun clicks it stops they're like fuck no hydric pulls out his handgun that's when the other resistance dude jumps out of the bushes throws a grenade 
Now, what are Czechs not famous for? Grenades. Baseball. He throws it. It's a shit throw. Where'd you steal that fucking joke from? There's no way you came up with that. <laughs> it's actually the tour leader said it. I fucking <laughs> knew it. I knew it. I thought it was good though. Anyway, so <laughs> he throws he, th- he throws the um the grenade. It hits like the side of the car. Blows a hole in the door. But also these two Czech people were from London. So well, you, would they, assume, they were, you would assume maybe cricket. Cricket, that's true. Cricket's famous for the overarm throw. This was an underarm throw. Oh, you were there. I was there. Okay. Yeah. So, throws the grenade, blows a hole. Bit of a gunfight erupts, blows a hole in the side of the car. All Hydric gets is a fucking, like, a little little scratch. Mm. Goes, blows a hole in the seat. Goes to hospital, gets stitches. He's right as rain. Failed attempt. They're like, okay, if we don't find out who the fuck was responsible for this, we are going to kill 30,000 checks. We're going to bomb two cities. And everyone's like, shit. And all the families of the resistance fighters and those that were hiding him were like, fuck, if they find out if someone else rats, we're all dead. But there's also the risk if we go rat, they're going to kill us anyway. Hydric, it's, a, it's a tough situation, eh? A bit Hydric, of a sticky wicket. Yeah, exactly. Hydric slips into a coma, dies a week later. Here's what happened to him. Infected stitches? Yeah, no. The, the car seat was full of the stuffing was horse hair got into his bloodstream and infected him killed him it was a very lucky death what the yeah f- what, that's what, how he what died. did he get from horse hair i don't know some sort of horse disease i mean you get coronavirus from bats so i don't fucking know either way i it, thought it was a pangolin what a pangolin what is that got people coronavirus what is that a type of bat no, it's like a little... Well, the bat has carried the coronavirus for 40 years. This is just the fourth strain of it. So I think it's like an armadillo thing. Anyways. Look up a pangolin. What if I say no? Your laptop's dead? What are you going to do? That's not dead. Well, you look it up. No, no. Let me let me finish this, then we'll look up a pangolin. <laughs> so, they're like, fuck. We need to find out who did this. The church, the one that I walked past, they did The church did it. The church did it. It was all the... It was Pell. Yeah, that's... (laughs) So the church um, got these fake coffins and hearses, transported them to the church. They were hiding underground in the church, and I went to the church, and underground where they hid and shit. It's fucking sick. Were they still there? Um, Yeah, I had a mad chat with them. Really nice guys. Really nice guys. Well, it is 1942 when we are in the Czech Republic currently, so we should go see them. Yeah. So uh, I was chatting to them when they got a knock on the church door, and they were suddenly surrounded. One of the guys uh, who was part of the resistance ratted on him and they got the family that was hiding some of the resistance members chopped off the mum's head when they were interrogating one of them who wouldn't admit to it showed him the mum's head in front of him during like the torture time and then he kind of ratted they're in the church now those two guys are like the national disgraces now both of them the first one who first ratted his mum was in the town that they were going to bomb now Think about it. If you didn't do it and you let your mum die in the next town, like, what's more like, do you let six of your comrades die or do you let 30,000 people, including your mother, die? But throughout, even in the Czech people, he is a disgrace to them. He's like the most piece of shit Czech person That's in history. Hey? Yeah, it is because they, they hate him there. It's, I, I, you wouldn't think that that'd be that big a You'd deal. You'd think they'd be like, all right, World War Two was it's fucked. A bit of no justifiable, one liked the Nazis yeah. And he did help kill Hydric, but no, nah, like him writing them out was like a huge. They're very. There's like a saying in Czech. They're very, uh, very cunning. I can't remember what the saying was, but they can smile and be nice, but they have like, they can have something else in their mind. And I think this anthropoid story, and like, was is big within them, and like they're very proud of it. Anyway, the Nazis ended up coming into the uh, the church and there was a big, big call shootout. They found him underground. They all had these cyanide capsules they ended up taking before they got captured because fuck getting captured by the Nazis. Or mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's my bit on uh, An- Operation Anthropoid. Fascinating bit of history. Probably one of my favorite Where'd you get World fucking George stories. Bush from? Huh? Where'd you get George Bush from? No, I was saying, like, save your bit and we can do your bit as well as the 9-11 oh! stuff. Oh! 
yeah, I th- yeah. I, that only just dawned on me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. like that. Now that's but, good. Um, <laughs> I feel like this was relevant because it was Nazi related. Yeah, no, that was good. Oh, thank you. Um, you outdone your, you out, you redeemed yourself from those other bits. <laughs> I'm fucking glad. Dead sad. I I literally almost fell asleep in that old person <laughs> chat. That was terrible. All right, fair enough. Oh, Greg wants to say something. No, I was uh, just um, pulling in the uh, check saying. Oh, the, there it is. There, I can't pronounce it. And I can't oh. read it because I've got no eyes on. So, Greg's found the saying for us. It says "Isminijev sechachimir." It basically means "smile with your eyes." That's that saying I was going on about. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I was I, I was impressed by the uh, pronunciation. I. I don't even know if that was a Czech I, accent. I, I doubt it. Was it was more of an Arabic kind of accent there. Huh. Well, there you go. Have you got you got any fun facts for us today? Or you were no out? No fun facts, no. Well, we're up I had minutes. my Waffle House thing. Yeah, no, that, that was actually pretty good. I can't lie. Yeah, it's weird that they used that, hey? Yeah, blue waffles. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. Green. You ever had one? Yeah, all the time. Oh, yeah? How was that? Yeah. <laughs> great, great, great chat. Thank you. Um, All right. Well, we're up wrap it up. No, no. We got an oh. announcement to make. Oh yeah. True. Okay. So Saturday, the twelfth of September, which is not this Saturday, but the next, we'll be we're going to be doing a live Abra episode. It's at Bed Bar. It's in Glebe, Glebe Point Road. We'll post the details on our Instagram, Abra Podcast, A Y E B R A H Podcast. I don't you think you need there. to spell it out. No, some for people them. are listening that don't follow us on Insta. Yeah, but they would have found this well, podcast. When we said Abra Podcast and you sent me, oh, on a message, Abra Podcast, I didn't include the H. Yeah, see, Greg agrees. We spell it out. He said we've got to spell it out. All right. So, Abra Podcast with a H. On Instagram, we're going to post the details. Seats are limited due to COVID and this is a seated venue, but it's going to be a fun night. We're going to be doing live questions. We're going to be getting up a few friends They've on already stage. Found the, no, I'm right about this one. They've already found the podcast. They've spelt it out before. They yeah, can look at the name of the podcast. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Well, still, what if we have like... <laughs> blind listeners? listeners? Blind listeners. I meant blind listeners. Yeah, we are <laughs> I didn't say listeners. deaf listeners. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to be doing some bed questions. Bed bar. Bed bar. We need, yeah, need live, live questions or submitted user questions. And Jamie's going to be there. Jamie He's will confirmed. be there. He's uh, confirmed. He's confirmed. He has. So it's going to be a fun night. Going to send it, get Jamie to gather a bunch of questions that you've asked us. Just send them through on the Insta or Facebook, whatever. And we're going to get all those questions and we're going to answer them on the night. We're not going to look at them till the night. Now, it does mean that next week on Tuesday, there's not going to be an episode, but the week after, there'll be a doubly long episode to yeah, make up for a it. It'll be live. Run. It's going to be fun. We don't really know what we're doing with it. Yeah, we're just we're we're going to see it. how and it goes. We think it's going to be fun. And if it goes well, we'll do another one. But seats are limited. so Heavily limited. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sort out that. We're gonna announce it on Thursday, all the details, how to book in, if you wanna come and that. Do you have to book in? We might have to. Okay. But details will be announced Thursday, but Saturday, twelfth of September, around nine PM, we're gonna be doing a live Abra episode. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Abra Abra. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Have see a good ya, one. See you in a bit.